Hello all, welcome back. I'm Aaron Wogelinter, and I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Wogelinter, a.k.a. The Father. And this is Around the Shabbos Table. Don't worry, Shabbos was not desecrated in any way, shape, or form in the production of this show. As always, we are a production of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network. You can go check us out on intentionaljew.com. And now, come join us around the Shabbos table. Welcome back to another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. We are around the weekday Shabbos table, not the Shabbos Shabbos table, therefore there is no desecration of Shabbos that takes place here. We discuss issues, we bring up, bring up ideas, bring up issues, and we unpackage them. I am the father, and this is the son, um, the Aaron Wogelinter, and we are so thrilled to be back in, um, in a rhythm of this, and I've been doing this on a regular basis. Today, what we decided to do, there are some very interesting things that are going on. We're going to take one thing today and, uh, and deal with it. Aaron, I'm, uh, I'd like you to, you told me over a story, and I think it's a great story to share. And then we'll take it running from there um, and, and open up a, what I think is a pertinent issue, and not a, a political issue, but really an issue that's really, really important in, in all of our lives. Right, at the life, really at the essence of the life of a Jew, of, of how we do things, when we do things. Um, there was a story that I heard years ago, and it's it's always on my mind, and it's always on my mind um, in Yiddish, which only on the podcast could I ever use Yiddish, because when I speak Hebrew, Israelis know less Yiddish than uh, than the most secular American, right? <laughs> so so I, I finally could say, Ashvera Maisa, right? A, a, difficult, a difficult story to understand, um, and it's about Reb Chaim and the story goes that in the, in the yeshiva of Velazhin, there were obviously some very, very great Talmud Chachamim and Torah scholars. And everyone, it was known that everyone had sort of a name. Everyone had a, a type. You were the guy who you go to, everyone goes to, if you need help with a Tosvos. And you were the guy who everyone went to, if you need help with a Gemara. And you were, um, and everybody had their, their style. And, and there was one Bachar, one boy, who was the Bucky. He knew, he knew, albeit maybe on a more superficial level, but he knew of everything. And he was able to um, tell you where something was found, to page numbers. We all know the Bucky in our lives, right? And it doesn't matter in what subject you ask them. And they'll be able to tell you where something is found, the page number and what it is. Um, maybe not understand it to, to the depth that it's intended to be understood, but they know where everything is. And that was this Bacha. This Bacha was the Baki. And he sat down, he, they were eating lunch one day and he washed and he ate. And in the middle of lunch, what would they do in Velazhin? They would talk Torah. And somebody said, somebody came over to the Baki and asked them a question. They said, where can we find X, Y, and Z? And he was stumped. He didn't know. He didn't know where it was found. So a little pipsqueak, younger Bacha pipes up and says, it's found in a toast over here. He was so embarrassed. I'm the Bucky. I'm the guy who has to know everything. And, 
And here's this little pipsqueak who knew it, who knew it better than I. So immediately he threw his chair back, ran out of the room and ran, ran into a, uh, a nearby shul, a, near, a nearby uh, study hall and base medrash and vowed essentially to not leave there for seven years and to learn. And he did. He stayed there for seven years and he learned his brains out and he became even more impressive than what he was um, until that point. So maybe a few years in the boys came, the other boys who witnessed the story came to Reb Chaim Velazhener and they asked him a question about the story. He says, it's terrific. And it's wonderful that this guy's learning, but at the end of the day, he didn't bench. And he didn't say So how much validity does this, you know, all of his learning have essentially, because it all started, it all came from a place where he did something wrong. So Rob Chaim said 100% he was wrong. You cannot leave a study hall. Even you cannot leave a, a, a meal, even if it's for the best intentions, you cannot leave without benching. It's a mitzvah. You cannot leave. But had this Bachar stayed, said Ruchaim, and had he stayed in the room and finished and, and waited a minute to bench, he never would have become what he, what he became. So obviously that story needs a lot to unpack. And for me, all, almost all my life, it's been a story on my head because um, in, in Musar and in self-development, you always try to do actions perfectly and perfect them. And if you're learning, if you're on your way out of your, your house and you, you know, make somebody feel stupid in order for you to go learn, then what's your learning? Because your learning comes on the heels of somebody else's, uh, on, on, on somebody else's expense. And for everything is like that, right? When you keep a chumrah and you keep something that's, that's affecting somebody else. Um, we really try to stay away from that. So here we have Rukhayim Velazhin, one of the, the greatest, um, like Jewish philosophers that we really have um, saying that giving a sort of an understanding that of course it's wrong, but we have to understand that good things can come through from this. So first we have to understand what he said, what was he saying? What does that mean? That had he stopped, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been there. He wouldn't have um, become what he, what he, what he was um, that this Bacher wouldn't have become what he was. And then we have to understand how does that affect us? And how do we look at that uh, in our lives? So I'm going to see your story and raise you one. Okay. So recently in my, in my emails, I've been getting um, emails, Facebook, I've been getting an inundation of a program that's, I don't know if it's started already or it's just starting now, but in Kolim and Yeshivas, you know, where people that learn full time um, are plagued with, uh, with this issue, that things you know, you go and come into base matters, you come to sit down and learn, and, and and things all of a sudden get in the way. And and they get in the way right away. You know, as you come in, you sit down, you start learning, somebody comes over, you haven't seen the person in a long time, you say, you, you know, you start talking and learning, and then it leads to somewhere else. Two chabruses sit down, good buddies, right? Or, or people that learn with each other every single day, and you're learning, you're, you're getting in, and then one word sparks something, and then you get on to something else. You need to get up to get a cup of coffee. The coffee for the two-minute coffee turns into a 10-minute coffee. You, you see somebody in the coffee room, you end up schmoozing with them a little bit. The, somebody from the family calls, that something happened, they need advice, they need something. 
And there's constant things that even get in the way. Yaakov always used to say, even within the Gemara itself, right? he, we have cousins who are cow farmers. So you see a story about a sheep. A sheep is related to a cow. The one Chavrusa looks up and goes, hey, isn't your cousin's cow farmers? Boom. Two hours down the drain, you could talk about cow farming, right? Right. It's, it's, not, it's not hard. We're, you know, we're, we're, we all have the, the, these, um, I, I call them, you know, triggers. Triggers or, or um, like shoots and ladders. You know, you, you, get the, you get the slide, you get on the slide and boom, you're out of there. Right. Transportation words that take you to other places. This is a common, uh, a common issue. And, and every person who's, who, who learns on a regular basis always tries to figure out ways to combat that. Um, Dafyomi does help that because you have, uh, you have something you have to get through and, and you have a goal, a very, a very specific goal. And goal-oriented learning does help that a lot also when you, know, you have to cover a certain, amount of, a certain amount of pages or a certain amount of, of material. But, but for many people, it's a, it's a great... Even when you sit down to, let's say, go over the parsha. And you start going over the passion, and you get very engrossed in the passion, but your mind starts to travel and wander. So they started a program, um, which all the G'daylam are behind, and I've gotten you know, these videos that they're trying to collect money in order to give monetary incentives for people to stay put and to stay focused and, and to make sure that there are, no, there are no breaks in their learning. There are no natural breaks. There's no, you know, I guess the, the, they... They limit or cut out the, the whole coffee thing and the, you know, the, the going out to Chabash Mus for a second. Or if you see somebody, there's a, there's a very, there's a great emphasis put on not wasting any time and, and of keeping things continuously going so that you don't have any, any gaps or breaks. And so then I'm saying, you know, of all the things that are going on in the world, there are starving people in the world. There's all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And this is what we're collecting stock for. And it just seemed a little niche to me. But then when I started to think about it, I said, wait a second, if we believe that Torah learners are really the, the, the foundation of the Jewish people and the fire of the, of the Jewish people, so then to perfect them and to make that, to make that stronger and, and brighter and greater, so then that's an important thing. So that's why there are all kinds of programs within the learning world of coming, to, coming on time, right? You know, in, in, yeah, yeah, there, there are incentives that if yeshiva starts at nine o'clock, you're there at nine o'clock. If you not, you know, nine and nine o five, and you get you get added incentives to that, you know, um, and and things like that. Then I started to think, why is that so important? And that brings me to the second thing, to the second story. We tell a famous story of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was forty years old. I'll give a little background to it. Um, Rabbi Akiva was forty years old. He hated rabbis. Hated rabbis in the first forty years of his life. The reason that the Gemara explains that he hated rabbis is because he saw some kind of inconsistency that he couldn't reconcile. And he didn't know where to put his feelings, and he trained it towards the rabbis and, and towards, towards what they represented. But it was really because he, it, it, was, it was difficult to explain. He must have seen one or two rabbis acting in a certain way that weren't consistent. Not all rabbis, but he saw something that wasn't consistent and that bothered him. And he met a woman by the name of Rachel, and they wanted to get married. Her father was a phenomenally wealthy person, um, a famously wealthy person. And uh, he said to her that he's going to cut her out of the will if she's going to marry this guy, because he wasn't just an ignoramus. He was an ignoramus with an attitude. And an ignoramus with an attitude is a problem. You know, you don't know anything. You can be the sweetest guy in the world. I can train you. But you got an attitude, and then, you know, who knows where you're going to go. So Bikiva's walking, walking by, oh, there's so much to learn here in the story, but Bikiva's walking by a, 
a rack and there's water dripping on the rack and there's a hole in the rack. Now, clearly that's taken quite a bit of time for the water, which was obviously constantly dripping, to make an indentation in the rack. And Rabbi Akiva looks at it and he says, wow, if water can do that to a rack, then can you imagine what Torah could do to my rack, could do to, to my hard head? This was at the age of 40. So I want to just stop here for a second. This is not the story. This is not the important part of the story, but I want to know how many thousands of people walked by that rack and looked at it and said, whoa, it's leaking. <laughs> Took a picture. Yeah, we, we got to call a plumber. That's, that's cool. Nobody looked at it and said, holy cow, that's my brain. And that's my brain on drips. Wow. Like, nobody looked at it and said, I, wow, there's something to learn here. Everybody looked at it and said, wow, that's an incredible phenomenon. That's the nature of the world. It's the way the world works. It's been dripping for so long and it's making us whole. Like nobody looked at it and said, whoa, this is, this is me. That's my brain. This is talking to me. That's, that's why Rabbi Kiva was so amazing. Forget about what he accomplished in his lifetime. It was amazing because he had that ability to be able to look beyond the surface of everything. There was no, there was nothing surface, and that's why the rabbis bothered him. That's why then, because he wasn't able to just be on the surface. He was looking at the depth of the thing, and he said, "If the depth of it is that rabbis that are learning Torah are behaving that way, there's something amiss here." And it just shook his, it, it, it rattled his cage and shook him completely. Okay, so Rabbi Akiva goes with the blessing of his wife, he starts to learn. Now, to learn means that he had to learn Aleph, Beis, Gimel. He had to become literate. So he's sitting with little kids and he's learning Aleph, Beis, Gimel. Okay? You know, he had one advantage. He was 40. So he was able to, to do it quick and, and he starts to advance and he advances, advances, advances and then finally it's time for him to go to learn by sages. He's got to learn by, by great rabbis. So he goes away for 12 years with the blessing of his wife. 12 years. After 12 years, Rabbi Akiva had become, at this point, a, um, a, you know, a, a, a great person in the sense that he was, he was advancing and deepening his understanding. A person who has that rack business, who was able to look at a rack, applies that to Torah? Holy cow. That, with the depth that you can, that, that you can achieve. He in, did, right? And, and that he did achieve. The depth, not, not merely just the knowledge, but the depth of knowledge that he was able to achieve was incredible. Comes home after 12 years. And Gemara says he walks into the house, walks to the house, gets to the door. On the other side of the door, he hears his wife talking to her friends. And the conversation, she's cutting her hair in order to be able to make a, a payanachas, in order to be able to make a shetel, because that, that's, that's what the next thing that she needed to get rid of in the house in order to be able to support herself and support a child also. That, that, that was it. That was, all, that, that was all she had. She had nothing. She was totally impoverished. Father, father cut her out of the will, and she had no money. And, you know, it wasn't like he was working so he could send her back money every month. I mean, there was, there was just nothing there. And the friends are, you know, what, what I think a normal reaction would be is, don't you think it's a little insensitive of your husband to sit and learn? Like it's, it's a nice thing to do, and it's, it's wonderful the guy's sitting and learning for 12 years, but, you know, is, is, this really the, is this really what he should be doing? He needs to be taking care of you. He's got responsibilities. She says that not only am I proud and, and, and I feel the, like this is the incredible, um, incredible pride that my husband is learning for 12 years, I would give him another 12 years to go and to learn. So Rabbi Kiva, on the other side of the door, he hears that, and he says, thank you very much. Turns around, goes back to Yeshiva for another 12 years. So my now, father always asks, what was wrong with him? 
can come in, give some flowers, get a coffee, right? <laughs> right. What's what's wrong? Why didn't he come into the right. house? Right. That's right. Why didn't he couldn't why stop didn't for, just, a minute, couldn't give stop the, for a minute? Give the kid a hug. Right. Right. Just say to his wife, thank you very much. You know, I, I wish I bought your flowers. I couldn't afford them. But, you know, consider yourself. <laughs> you could have just stopped in for a second. But he walked, he turned around. Now, what happened to him after the, we'll come back to this in a second, but what happened to him after those 12 years? Now, so he's now was studying for 24 years. He amassed 24,000 students. D- 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 please don't throw at me the end of the story where the 24,000 students died because that was not his, that was not his issue. And it was not, it was it had nothing to do with his ability to be able to teach. He was an amazing teacher. And he was mime at 24,000 students. Unfortunately, they only, they, they themselves only incorporated a part of his lesson and not the full lesson. They didn't take it the next step. They didn't use his ability to see the water on the rock and, and see the depths. They didn't use that. So he comes back into town and Rachel comes to see him. While he, there's, this, there's this huge parade, the big rabbi coming back with 24,000 students. I mean, you, know, you have to make a movie of this in your mind. What does that look like? Rabbi walking through a, you know, a, a, a street in the time of the Talmud, 24,000 students are behind him. 24,000, it's a stadium. It's, you know, that some stadiums are 17,000, 20, 24,000. It's a stadium of people behind him. And he's walking, we just went to that concert, right? That's, that's two times what was there at that concert. Walking behind him, and she disheveled. Unfortunately, but, but rightly so. She, you know, was, was not, had nothing with which to groom herself. She throws herself at his feet. They think that she's some lunatic, and they try to, to, to get rid of her. And he says, Chas v'shom, don't touch her. Don't move her. Shali v'shalachem shalohi. What we have, what you and I have, all belongs to her, because she gave me those 24 years. Okay, beautiful. It's an amazing story. But romantic, it's like amazing. But Lamaise, at the end of the day, you know, let, ask it again. How come he didn't stop in? So the, the tarots that they give is, the answer that they give is because Rabbi Akiva himself knew two twelves is not the same as 24. Those five minutes, that small interval in between the two, would have separated those two things and made them in to one, to, into two separate pieces, which would have meant that a certain amount of time was lost in restarting the program, so to speak. And that loss would have then put, put the, the second set back down, and then the amount that we would have been able to accomplish is much less. Now, you're going to stop while I'm saying this. You're going to say to yourself, ah, oh, cut it out. You know, a five-minute break in between the, in the two is not going to make a difference. Every doctor that's listening to this, every, every scientist that's listening to this, every, every lawyer that's listening to this, that excelled in their studies knows that when they sat down to study, when they were, when they had breaks and when there were things that interrupted them, even if it was somebody walking into the room and coughing and they looked up from it, just that break was enough to, to, to break the progress and then they had to restart. And that when you wanted to, to when you wanted to, to you know, excel at something, you would pour everything into it and you would cut out as much of the breaks as you possibly could. Because we have a concept of Ritsufim. When, you, when, you're, when you're all into something and you just bear down on it and keep going with it, so then the success is much greater than when you start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And that's just, that, that's just the way it is. Drive on the highway. And when you drive on the highway, 
you're, and you're going straight, it is Geshmak. And you feel like you're getting somewhere and you're moving forward and you're building momentum and you're building speed and everything is great. And when you're driving in the city and you have to stop at every light, at the end of the day, sometimes the difference is no more than a minute or two. But at the end of the day, it just feels the progress is much less. You feel that, that, that the, the, the energy and the movement. We have a whole idea called Zrizos, which means that when you come up with an idea, you've got to implement it right away. You can't let the, anything get in its way because we know that as much as you can, things will always get in the way. Abraham Avinu was sitting by the, by, by the tent. Old man, just had a brismila. Now, can, can you imagine that? I can't. I have no idea. No idea what kind of pain he was in after the brismila. Avram Avinu looks and he sees three guys in the, in, the, in, the, in the far distant. And he says to himself, Oh, I want, to, I want to take care of those guys. And then he tries to get out of his chair. <laughs> can you imagine the pain? And he's thinking to himself, Abe, what was in your mind? Torah tells us that's not what happened. Torah tells us, Vayisa Seinu Vayari lifted up his eyes and he saw. And then the Torah says, Vayari, and he saw. And all the commentaries ask, why does it have to say, and he saw twice? Because the first time was the idea, and the second time was the energy mustered in order to be able to carry that idea out, so that he would not let anything get in his way. Vayashkem, Avram Baboker, he goes through the Akedah. Now, if he would have sat and thought for a minute about going to do the arcade, he would have said, what am I, nuts? But he didn't stop and think for a minute. He just dived into it. Right. So sure, he just did it. He ran He ran and did it. When you can add those resources, I liked what you said, when you can add resources together and string them together, that's when you get um, continuity. And if you can continue... And productivity. And productivity, right? So it's just practical. I want a story and one practical is that I can't get anything done with my with my phone as a distraction, meaning my phone is a tool I can get done. So what I do is I, there's a, there's really cool on Samsung's it's too bad. You're on iPhone, but you can set your phone to focus mode, which turns off everything unnecessary. It is, it is what it is for me. I can choose what I want to take off and everything else goes blank. The only thing that's available for me is WhatsApp. So my wife can get to me, but it's the only thing that's there. So whether I'm working or whether I'm learning. So with learning, it's even more with learning. I can't bring my phone with me. Ritzvi always used to say that you sit down to learn with your phone in you, you're learning with your chavrusa and your grandmother and your mother and your uncle, because you're thinking about everybody. You're thinking about who's, uh, who's going to call and who am I missing and who's, who's available now to speak, right? And, uh, and your head's just not there, even without any phone calls, just sitting down with it in your pocket um, creates that. And I find that for learning, the only way, the only way for me to do it is, is not to have my phone on me. Um, to each his own and his responsibilities are all different, but you can create a culture within your friends and your family that there are certain times that are cut that they don't call. So it is possible. Um, I also, outside of Rabbi Hebershul in Baltimore, they have these boxes with chargers in it. So you can go in for davening and, and learning, put your phone in the box, take out, take a little key, the box is locked and your phone is charging during, during tefillah and during learning. Again, just so that your, your head's not on it. And once your head's not on it, so, so yeah, the second you're away from your phone, yeah, they could wait, right? That's like, that's my, my learning hack is don't bring your phone with you. But um, also for working, just focus productivity is like that. 
You know what one of the great oxymorons is? Multitasking. Right, right. It does not exist. And please don't tell me scientists have said women do it better than men. Women do it better than men because, you know, whatever, they're sweeter, they can get away with it. At the end of the day, no, you can't multitask because there's a concept of foreground and background. Something is always going to be in the foreground and something is always going to be in the background. And, and therefore, what, you can't put two things side by side and give them equal, um, equal attention. It's just not possible. We've fooled ourselves and the companies have been fooling us. And I think that that really cuts to the essence of, of, this, of this story and of this whole, this whole episode. But wait, before we get to, the, to yeah. the final message, I also think, and I may be wrong on this, but I think that Yaakov Nyman was once learning, I want to say with the Chavetz Chaim, and I, I think, um, I think, okay, I, can, I have to fact check that, but I think he was with him and he got up to go to the bathroom. So what are you doing? He said, I have to go to the bathroom. And he looked at him like he was insane. Mind you, I think this was a six-hour Seder. But when you mentioned before, like going to the bathroom, right? There, when something is important to you, I, I personally, I don't know if this is too far, but I personally, I, I love to drink coffees in the morning. Wake up, drink a coffee, go to, go to tefillah. But, but um, I, I have to go to the bathroom always in the middle of, in middle of the consequences, because, right? because the coffee in the morning, is what, that's what happens, right? Um, but I realized that when I don't have a coffee, I can keep my phone on for much longer. It's, it, there's a way to deal with it. It's not like, it's not like you look at this story with the Chavetz Chaim. like, what, you have to go to the bathroom every six hours? Like, yeah, it's normal. It's normal. There's a way to eat. There's nutrition. There's a way to eat. There's a way to drink. There's a way to take care of your body that you can last for longer than we do. We just don't. So, so then these things become natural. But um, Sadarim can go. You can focus for longer than you, than you think you can. So Monday, I'm, I'm teaching in seminary. And, uh, and I, two, I teach two courses. And it was two, it was like two amazing classes. But there was, you know, oh, there's always, you know, certain people that are just not, not into it. So, um, so, so certain girls went, went out. Presumably, you know, they go out to go to bed and they really go out. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But they, but they, go, they go out. <laughs> we don't think about it once they leave well, the room. When they, when they came back... I said to myself, you know, the, the two of them came back and one of them, in one of the classes, she never came back. It, w- it was, you know, 10 minutes towards the end. I think they have like a 15 minute window. They have to be back in 15 minutes. But, um, but, but this one went out and then class ran out. And I was saying to myself, I played, the, I played it in my mind. I said, what did they hear? What did they miss? And what did they get out of this class? So on all of them, the conclusion was what they got out of the class was zero because they, they missed important chunks. One of them missed the entire conclusion of a very spirited conversation, but the spirited conversation needed the tie-in and, and missed that. We, what we don't realize is that when, when we cut out of something, so then we, we are missing the, 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 the Chavetz Chaim wasn't telling him not to go to the bathroom. No, right. Chavetz Chaim was saying that if you're, if you're so into this now, understand that the break is, is, a, is, is called a break. Okay, so now why is this such a big issue? Because I don't believe, I think that every person that's listening to this is saying to themselves, they be making a mountain out of a molehill, right? Like they, they had nothing oh, to usually what I, that. It's usually what I do, so yeah. that's fine. There's <laughs> a podcast. No, but no, but, but like, what are you talking about this for? Like, this is the biggest issue that we have. I think this is on, on, on a level. This is like one of the, the major, major, major issues of our generation. You ask any teacher in a classroom, 
you know, they talk about how long you have because of, of YouTube right. videos. Attention spans today, right? Bottom line is we don't understand what it means to completely focus and to throw ourselves into something. We, we just don't know what that is. We don't know how to create and, an environment for ourselves. And we sometimes we're, I think what the story with Chaim is teaching us as well is that sometimes we're going to mess up. Meaning sometimes we're not going to bench on our way out and we're going to make mistakes on our way out. And, and, and it could be that if we focus during our learning that we're going to miss that, that phone call. We're going to miss that chesed opportunity. Like that. We're going to miss that. It, it's possible. It yeah. is possible. So don't, don't, don't talk about the benching, the, the benching part. That was a specific out. story. Correct. That was, that was a mistake that the guy made. And, you know, and, and, and that was, he has to learn from that mistake. But, but the, the concept of Gadol, which I think what Rebchaim was trying to say, is that there are going to be sacrifices. Like you just said beautifully, there are going to be sacrifices. You, you, are, you are going to miss things. But if, you, if what you're doing is valuable, then, you, you know, we're, we're talking about it in the context of learning and davening. Yeah? So do you want to make it more understandable for people, for the general people? Let's, but it's, let's talk about it in terms of work. Work and relationships, and, I think, is is there as well. If you sit right. down to talk to your wife, wife, I'm not talking about bosses, I'm talking about wife. You sit down to talk to your wife or your wife has, has her phone on her, even if it's in her pocket or if it's in your pocket, it is very difficult to get into an engaging, um, serious conversation. That's right. Look, every single person here knows this. And again, it's not just technology. It's anything that's taking their right. you know, kids. But, but anything use, that's use in, the technology. I mean, everybody knows you go into a restaurant and you look around the restaurant and you see so, so many, you know, everybody's on their phones. You know, a couple is, is going out for the anniversary dinner, right? They're going to a very expensive restaurant and they're spending most of the time on the, on the thing. And, the, you know, the husband's probably saying, you know, it's, it's, it's work. I can't let this go. It's work. And, uh, you know, the wife's saying, it's the kids. I, I, I got to talk to the kids. But at the end of the day, they sat there for so long and they had nothing. Now, what's really, what's really great about what I just said is, is that every one of us has seen this. But everyone does it. <laughs> the truth is, is that we're the people that other people are seeing, right? We're guilty of it also. And it's a really, really incredible thing. that They, they once did this, um, this program of getting people to let their phones down one, one day, right. I think it was. And they, but the advertisement was, was priceless. They showed a, a father pushing his kid on a swing. And, and the father was holding his phone. And then slowly the father fades and you see a kid swinging back and forth. Kilo is being pushed, but being pushed by a ghost. And that's really, and, and you saw a kid with their grandmother and the grandma's huddling the kid and telling him the story and the kid's looking on the phone and then the kid disappears. And it's just the grandma, huddling, you know, basically huddling like a ghost. And that's, that's what we are. We're ghosts. We're, we're not there at the things that we do, but because. I think it's the same. There's a mice with a Kalevsky, I think that they once asked him to watch a kid in a, in a stroller and he was learning by the dining room table. And so he was pushing the stroller. The kid started crying. He didn't, he didn't notice. He was so engrossed in his learning, the opposite. Somebody came into the room, took the kid out and he, but he continued. They came back in like two hours later and they said, how was it watching the kid or his wife? Somebody he said, Oh, the kid didn't cry at all. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he, but that's the opposite. He was so focused that other things, right. other things did, did take, you know, we're sacrificed for it, but he would, but you could be focused. That's, that's why Rebbe Kalevsky became Rebbe Kalevsky. Because he focused that, right. I think. And then the, the reason why we're, you know, we think that we're great at the things we do, but that we're really mediocre at the things we do is because focus is not really one of the focuses 
of our lives. It's, it's multitasking. It's doing, look at, you know, how do they sell computers? That you can do so many things now. You can do so many more things now. It's not true. Faster and better. And, right. You, you talk about your, your phone. So, you know, so when I have a phone and I'm listening, let's say, to a sheer, and I like to watch the, you know, I like to watch a video of a sheer, let's see the person. Um, and then the WhatsApp comes in. So, so it shows you. And you say, oh, I just got to answer that WhatsApp. You hit the button, the shear goes off. Right. It reminds you. And now you got to, and now you got to turn it on. And that is, that is the clear indication that there's no such thing as multitasking. Because something's got to take your attention. I, I think that that's what we're By the way, you could just buy YouTube premium and then it doesn't do that. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> there's answers to that as well. Right. Okay. And, you know, and that's, the, that's the part. That's yeah. when, you're, when you're focused on focusing. And, and like we said, it, it's relationships, it's learning, it's growing, it's, it's anything. When you're focused on focusing, so then you can, you can accomplish and grow much more. And I think that that, that's why I love this story with, with Reb Chaim, because he was able to see that this guy knew that what was his, why was he missing that thesis? Because he, there, was, there was a chisaron, there was something missing, there was a lack in his focus. And therefore he needed to bear down on his focus. Okay, don't do not do it at the expense of being religious. You know, don't do it at the expense of, of doing the right, right thing. Right, I still want to unpack that one day. That still sits on me, that, that we can, again, we can, Reb Chaim could say that. Because, because what are you going to do? You're going to say to the guy seven years later, you know, I think you'd say you need to go back and bench. <laughs> no, but. You but, can't fix it. But we need to be self-critical in the sense that if we are hurting other people with our, with our, and hurting ourselves and hurting mitzvahs and, and sacrificing things that can't be sacrificed, then, then we have to, we have to actually look into what we're doing and see Correct. if it's really Correct. right. But that's a second level of trying to figure out how do you balance things? Knows how do you balance while you're learning and that there is an emergency going on in your house, right? How do you balance that you're at work and, and, you know, you're trying to, to completely focus on work. And the truth is your employer is not interested in, this is debatable, but in many, many work situations, your employer is not interested in what's going on in your house. At home, at home right. And that you have, you have a job to do and just do that job. How do you balance that? So if you think back to the old days, the way you balance it is, is that you get a beeper. Now, nowadays, you know, that's, that's obsolete, but there's other ways of doing it. You get a beeper that's used for emergencies. I mean, every, every guy, we didn't, I didn't grow up with cell phones. So cell phones. So what did we do short of going and calling home every 10 minutes when your wife was due, you know, and, and, and you, you can't just stay home. You go to yeshiva. So, so what do we do? So we got beepers. You're able to rent the beeper. And if there was an emergency, so then you'd be called. And it wasn't that you gave the beeper number out to, to 25 people. But you, you, it was one thing and that was it. So when, when focus is important to you, there are all kinds of ways to, to do that. I don't believe that focus is important to us. And that's why our kids know so little. That's why, you know, standardized testing, the, the, I know you can say, well, the numbers are so high. The numbers are, are relatively low. There are so many, there are so many places where, where kids are just not functional. Kids come out of, kids come out of school and they can't read Hebrew in day schools across America. Right? They have, they have very little, especially in America, not so much in Israel. But, but because, he, you know, in America, even in the religious world, there is this distraction of, um, you know, of, of internet and of, uh, you know, and of all that stuff. Social media. So the, the kids come out knowing much less than they could because they're distracted. And, and, that's, and I think that, that that's, 
you know, just a good, a good point of this podcast. Is right. I, also, I, I disagree with what you said in the beginning, obviously, but you said that this is like not a biggest issue. I think this is a critical issue in the sense of, in the sense of the process of hearing a story that could be mundane, could be nothing and just learning a lesson from it, a lesson that's critical I, to us. So that's Rabbi Akiva water on a water. Right, on correct. Rock. To be there. These stories happen around us all day. And all what are day. we doing with them? We're moving on to the next news story and the next story. That's right. Every, every part of your day is water on a rock. There's, there's something to learn from it. There's a message that's coming through and, and there's something, there's something to learn and you decide what you want to learn from it. But, but every single part of it is, uh, is something to learn from. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, have awesome. a great week. Have a good Shabbos and pass the challenge. Pass the challenge.